Hey, Flora. Yeah? Isn't it crazy how much we pay for new brand name clothes? It is. Yeah. I'm glad you said yes. Why do we buy new kids' clothes if they just grow out of them in a few months? It sounds like I'm angry at the kids. I'm not. It's not their fault. It's actually a best-case scenario. Wouldn't it be great if there was a place to discover awesome discounts on gently used clothes? It would. Well, there is, Flora. Swap.com, the world's largest online consignment and thrift store. Son, stop driving to store after store and sifting through rack after rack. Shop millions of clothes in seconds on Swap.com. Uh, shopping at Swap.com helps prevent textile waste from polluting the environment even. You're a hero if you do it. Do it. If something doesn't fit, enjoy hassle-free returns within 30 days. No questions asked. Podcast listeners can use the code CPC40 for a whopping 40% off until November 30th. Come on, folks. Jump on that. That's November 30th, 2017, if you're a future listener. What's it like up there? Plus, free shipping on your first order over 10 bucks. And that's going to be a lot of stuff because you're, it's 40% off. It's going to take a lot of work to get to 10 bucks. You're going to get a lot of stuff. Check it out at swap.com, son. And we're back. Woo! Here we go. I am David Flora. I'm Dave Stecko. Welcome back uh, for part two. The docho. <laughs> That's right. El, El Duce, the deuce. We, uh, we're coming back hard in the paint on the Sphinx. That's right. I don't know why I couldn't get any word out of my mouth. Flora, get, get, get us caught up on where... Whoa, 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 whoa. Get over here. What are we doing here? Yeah, I'll do it because this, uh, this one might be backloaded. Yeah. Got a, got a lot of stuff to get to and a lot yeah, of fun we stuff. We got a lot of junk in this trunk. Uh, if you haven't heard our part one yet... It's okay. You don't have to. You should. But yeah, we are not the police of you. We've just had a descriptional aperitif and some hors of history. Ooh. Stopping just shy of World War II and with good reason, as we'll pick it up hot and heavy with some stirring prophecy, which has led to speculation galore about the Sphinx. So in this part, we'll be taking a look at claims about the Sphinx, including the unconventional age and architects of it. It's placement as above, so below. And the prophecies about the chambers beneath it said to contain lost knowledge. We'll discuss the science of finding the age of the Sphinx, along with the works of Dr. Robert Schock, John Anthony West, Colin Reeder, Michael Bajant, August Matheson, and Graham Hancock, among others. So uh, how about we uh, how about we see how far down this rabbit hole we can get before we claw our way back out? Yeah, I want to get deep in a hole with you, Flora. Don't. Oh. <laughs> how about no, you freaky Dutch no? bastard? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let us start then with what's said to be the Hall of Records. Uh, I think you mean the Hall of Records. It just, there's something about the sentence, the, the, the name, it, it has a certain gravitas to it. I wanted to make sure I have it. I wish in the, uh, Flora, do me a giant favor. Can you put the super friend sound behind that? That zhwing, zhwing. I'll try. It's I'll like, see if I can it's find like it. the Hall of Justice, just put for records. <laughs> Meanwhile, in the Hall of Records. <laughs> yeah. So we're no stranger to the sleeping prophet, Edgar Casey. Nope. Who 
would famously lay in a half-dream state and channel answers to questions about anything from anyone. His psychic impartings touched on the Sphinx a number of times, including an idea that many folks have taken and run with, a sealed hall of records to be found under the right paw of the Sphinx. A reading from October 29, 1933, answered the request, quote, Give in detail what the sealed room contains. And Casey's reading went as follows. A record of Atlantis from the beginning of those periods when the spirit took form, or began the encasements in that land, and the developments of the peoples throughout their sojourn, together with the record of the first destruction. I'm starting to get a real, like, rectification of the like feel from this. <laughs> Many shoves and zools knew it was to be roasted in the depths of the slore that day, I can tell you. <laughs> Where'd I leave off? Uh, with the record of the sojournings of the peoples and their varied activities in other lands, and a record of the meetings of all the nations or lands for the activities in the destruction of Atlantis, and the building of the Pyramid of Initiation, together with whom, what, and where the opening of the records would come, that are as copies from the sunken Atlantis. For with the change, it, being Atlantis, must rise again. In position, this lies, as the sun rises from the waters, as the line of the shadows or light falls between the paws of the Sphinx. That was set later as the sentinel or guard in which may not be entered from the connecting chambers from the Sphinx's right paw until the time has been fulfilled when the changes must be active in this sphere of man's experience. Then it lies between the Sphinx and the river. I really can't make it any more clear than that. But then he mentioned it again a few more times, like this one in 1939. It would be well if this entity were to seek either of the three phases of the ways and means in which those records of the activities of individuals were preserved. The one in the Atlantean land that sank, which shall rise and is rising again. Another in the place of the records that leadeth from the Sphinx to the Hall of Records in the Egyptian land. And another in the Aryan or Yucatan land where the temple there is overshadowing same. And in 1941... Oh, you folks, the entity joined with those who were active and put in the records and forms that were partially of the old characters of the ancient or early Egyptian, and part in the newer form of the Atlanteans. These may be found, especially when the house or tomb of records is opened, in a few years from now. A few years from then, in 1944. The entity was among the first to set the records that are yet to be discovered or yet to be had of those activities in the Atlantean land, and for the preservation of data that is yet to be found from the chambers of the way between the Sphinx and the Pyramid of Records. He also mentioned in 1932 that the pyramids were built by Atlantean refugees between 10,490 to 10,390 BCE before the prince entered into Egypt. Continuing, with the storehouse or record house, where the records are still to be uncovered, there is a chamber or passage from the right forepaw to the entrance of the record chamber or record tomb. This may not be entered without an understanding, for those that were left as guards may not be passed until after a period of their regeneration in the mount, or of the fifth root race begins. This is getting into troublesome territory all over again. In the building of the pyramid and that which is now called the Mystery of Mysteries, a.k.a. the Sphinx, this was intended to be a memorial, 
as would be termed today, to that counselor who ruled or governed, or who acted in the capacity of the director in the material things in this land. He also mentioned the Nile emptying into the Atlantic because the Sahara was fertile, and that most people had tails then. Yeah, really, really went off the rails with those yeah, tails. went off the tail rail. Um, rail tail. Fun fact, the Sahara did used to be covered in ocean shallows. Uh, archaeologists have even found whale fossils in rocks in the middle of the desert. This is, is pretty much uh, um, a super fact now. <laughs> right? Right. So uh, the human tails, though, not smart. Yeah, haven't found any of thems just yet. Not long after his readings, secret teachings of hidden chambers and knowledge <laughs> began floating around from the ancient and mystical order Rosé Crucis. What? We've never heard of them before. Perpetrated by one Harvey Spencer Lewis. Lewis was said to have claimed to possess ancient maps with the location of the Rosicrucian Brotherhood's secret hall of records beneath Giza. He even made drawings that were, quote, made from sacred manuscripts possessed by archivists of the mysterious schools of Egypt and the Orient, and a part of the secret manuscripts telling of the ancient forms of initiations held in the Sphinx and the Great Pyramid. Yeah, of course. The existence of the halls and passages are, of course, quote, Oh, I really thought there was just one. Okay. It's just, it's just, just, just one more. more. Just one more. Just two brothers. Denied repeatedly by Egyptian and other authorities, and even by eminent archaeologists and investigators from various parts of Europe. Of course, that's the way it had to be. He cited an article from a Hamilton M. Wright, which described the discovery of a subway system of tunnels and shafts found by Salim Hassan in 1935. He also claimed that Akhenaten was a Rosicrucian. I mean, I, these guys, it just sounded like these guys just can't stop talking when they start. No, and, and also, the, the, one of the reasons why Ankenaten was such a big-ass deal, one of the reasons we did an episode about him, is that he was his own religious burrito. He needed no side dishes. He, he rejected everyone else's religion but the one with him in the middle. So no, yeah, he, no, hard no. He was a complete <laughs> religious meal. Yeah, <laughs> he was a um, religious MRE, even had a heating <laughs> packet in there. And, uh, you know, with, uh, with Lewis and the Rosicrucians, you could have access to this info for just the small membership fee he requested. Mm-hmm. Ching, ching, <laughs> lame. And before we get too much past it, uh, Casey's ideas on the Egyptian timeline were not new. No. His, his ideas of them being 10,000 uh, BCE, the the 19th century mystic Madame Blavatsky, who I'm surprised we haven't done an episode on yet. Yeah. She had already made the claim that the pyramids and the Sphinx were built either in 3350 BCE, which would have been uh, 800 years prior to the conventional uh-huh. dating of it, or... Swing for the fences, Blavatsky. 78,000 BCE based solely on the Earth's poles in relation to the ecliptic and sidereal periods. Now, according to her, subterranean passages mentioned by Marcellinus were not Egyptian in origin, but Atlantean. And Cheops, who we know as Khufu, 
the builder of the first pyramid, mm-hmm. only repurposed the Great Pyramid. Well, it seemed a shame to waste it. It definitely did. You've got to uh, reduce and reuse because right? of that, you know, climate change was happening back then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a whole bunch of people going, guys, it's a jungle. It'll always be a jungle. Nothing's going to change. <laughs> That's right. Are you saying that he was trying to let them know about an inconvenient coof? Burned it. It was okay. It wouldn't have lasted. It wouldn't have stayed good enough till the end of the episode. It would have been rotten by then. Had to eat it now. <laughs> yeah, we yeah, we do have a long trip. Yeah. Long long car ride. It had gotten hot and melted. Yeah. So, God, already we've got Atlantean refugees that were bopping around in Egypt 12,000 years ago. We've got 78,000 based on the ecliptic and sidereal periods, which we'll get back to, I promise. Th- this This has blasted off. Yeah, we, we are we are in orbit already. Yeah, we, ladies and gentlemen, yeah, we are we are in. We've lost Earth's gravity. We are now out amongst the cosmos. That's right. So where people take this from is now. Now Casey's prophecies have led to many searches for this mystical sealed chamber that holds. I mean, I, what? Is, yeah, you yeah. you tell me. What yeah. do you want? You want a case of cold, cold Coca-Cola? It's in there. Yeah. The, the Colonel's recipe. Recipe for chicken in a bucket? It's in there. Yeah. Yeah. It's fine. You, All uh, 11 herbs and spices and the yeah. 23 some odd that make up Dr. Pepper. <laughs> a gun that shoots kryptonite bullets. It's in there. <laughs> <laughs> kryptonite that shoots gun bullets. It's in there. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, of course, everyone's searching for the mystical super sealed chamber. Of course, we now know that the uh, author and researcher Graham Hancock who, along with Belgian author and researcher Robert Baval, wrote about the search for the chambers in The Message of the Sphinx. Uh, Between 1973 and 1974, they reported on scans done at the site, quote, The first in a series of serious pioneering projects was launched using ground-penetrating radar and other high-tech remote sensing equipment to locate anomalies under the bedrock beneath the Sphinx. These projects were channeled through well-established academic institutions, the Ain Shams University. Wait, Shams University? Damn it! <laughs> the Ain Shams University in Cairo, and the prestigious Stanford Research Institute in the USA. In 1977, another scan was reported. The U.S. National Science Foundation funded a project at Giza again, involving the SRI. This time, use was made of several new techniques, such as resistivity measurements from metal rods driven into the rock across which an electric current was passed, magnetometry, and also the latest aerial photography and thermal infrared image-enhancing techniques. According to the SRI's team official report, several anomalies were observed as a result of our resistivity survey at the Sphinx. Behind the rear paws, northwest end, we ran two traverses, both traverses indicate an anomaly that could possibly be due to a tunnel aligned northwest to southeast. Two other anomalies were noted deep in the bedrock in front of the paws of the Sphinx. Uh, acoustic testing was done in 1982 with a possible cavity indicated, and a Japanese mm-hmm. town uh, Japanese town was found with a Sphinx in it. Who, who knew? <laughs> and a Japanese team found several indications of hollows or cavities in a 1987 survey. The problem with jumping to the secret chamber conclusions is that the work is not 3D imaging of subsurface structures. It gives a, an idea of an anomaly. And that's the thing they were using, I mean, the best that they had, sure. but still very kind of round-the-way technology. You know, it's, it's, it's analogous to how we're currently using 
imaging. So like they just had that, they found that new chamber. In like, the pyramid. Yeah, in the pyramid like three weeks ago. And they're using uh, like charged particle emissions. Muons, to, to, right? Muons, yeah, exactly, yeah. So Crazy. And, and so the same way, the same place we're at with that now is where they were with these technologies. Like, oh, it gives us sort of a general idea that something may be in there. But yeah. they're, so it's very, it was at the time very cutting edge, but also very open to interpretation as, to, as far as exactly what that means. And, and to comment on that pyramid find, you know, there's, they, they have detected uh, anom- anomalies or some kind of cavity. And they, they wanted to make sure to point out it doesn't mean yeah. there's necessarily a chamber or any. It just indicates yeah. that there there may be some, some em- kind of hollow in in there that we haven't found yet. Right. And, and yeah. And that's and that, that's and I feel bad because who who on earth wants there to be a chamber full of shit more than the archaeologists doing this work? And if right. they're the ones going, guys, it's probably not yeah. that. Pump the brakes. Yeah. I'd, I'd be willing to listen to him at that point because they, they, they need don't to get uh, William Howard Weiss in there, get some dynamite up in that. That's right. Up in yeah. that business. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, why are we getting all egghead about this when we could just <laughs> yeah. solve it with some explosives? You get a C-130 gunship. It just does a rotation. It just goes around that pyramid, just knocking layer after layer off. Now, subsequent drilling, uh, to get back to the subject, subsequent drilling apparently found natural cavities in the limestone, but no man-made structures. Additionally, of the known passageways into the Sphinx, all lead to dead ends, uh, including one in the rear that seems to be from Beret's time and indicates a possible unsuccessful search for just such a chamber, chamber or tunnel. So now, what they're doing, they are, they're finding tunnels that were used to find tunnels. This is, this right. is, like, this is like some some Minecraft shit where <laughs> you think that you've just like broken into a whole new area. You're like, Oh man, what is it? Is that a torch? <laughs> <laughs> oh no, this is, this is where I was two weeks ago. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Apparently they found like sandals and, and some uh, leftover tools and stuff from Emil Barres's uh, excavations. Which so. is still kind of cool. It's, yeah. it's, it's a find of a sort. It's it, of a sort, yeah. <laughs> of a sort. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, uh, it's like a person with a metal detector who's looking for, like, old Roman coins, but they, in, a, in essence, just find, like, collectible bottle caps. So, like, I mean, I could sell them on eBay, I guess, but it's yeah. not really what I'm out here for. <laughs> yeah. Uh, interestingly, there was apparently water that was rising and pooling around the Sphinx in 2008. And the Supreme Council of Antiquities, which also should be said like the Super Friends, which is now the Ministry of State for Antiquities, made boreholes around it to figure out what was causing it and determining it to be groundwater. Uh, no chambers were said to have been found. So, so that's kind of interesting. So for other reasons, they had to like do some digging, not find anything. Uh, which brings us to the inevitable discussion of Dr. Zahi Owas. Awas is an Egyptian archaeologist and now the former Minister of State for Antiquities uh, Affairs in Egypt. This guy was a huge deal in one of the hugest uh, archaeological, uh, I don't know, associations? Is that uh, entities? Sure. You know. I, I get, yeah, yeah, you get you the know, picture. He was a big deal in a, in, a, in a town full of big deals. Yeah, yeah. And I would not trust him as far as I could throw him. Right! 
Yes, that's the worst part. That's the other side of this shitberg coin. Uh, yes, he is not a trustworthy guy. Uh, he has a reputation for being corrupt, unreliable, and more or less secretive about Egyptian history and the artifacts found there. Uh, he staunchly opposed any view converse to the mainstream Egyptological history, uh, which is a move that we will see often in this part of the episode. Um, right. be- because there's there's a, a lot of reasons for that. One, it's it's a it's a, a hometown hero ish sort of thing. It's like if someone did research and found out that Wyatt Earp was actually selling heroin to children, <laughs> which given the way 2017's going, it seems inevitable. <laughs> uh, you know, but but r- revisions to Egyptian history aren't just an academic nature, uh, just aren't just an academic question if you're Egyptian. It is a very important part of, of who you are and your place in the world. And I imagine that there is a huge amount of pride that every Egyptian has in their ancient roots as the as a as the the first as you know quote unquote first capital of the world you know like this this very old civilization and don't get me started I know that the Chinese everyone else was doing shit. I get it so shut up to that point like think about American patriotism you know revolutionary war oh man we stuck it to them yeah everybody stood up did their part and god bless america and that's that's only been 200 years <laughs> right and that's the thing this egyptians can be like 4000 5000 like we've been kicking it we've been kicking ass for so long that the buildings we put up 4000 years ago are right over here assholes and you <laughs> still don't know how they did it you know, and so there's a lot of um, cultural protectionism. There's a lot of emotional investment, but there's also a ton of money at play here, not only from tourism, but also artifacts. Now, mm-hmm. Egypt as a country, much like uh, China, was culturally strip mined for centuries by uh, by other countries. And by other countries, I mean mostly England. Britain. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so... They're very protective of of what's theirs, and what is remaining is very valuable. Uh, and so it's it's there's a lot of of pressures. I am not defending this guy because he's just sure. shady on his own front, but I'm saying I see why there is. Uh, I, I I understand why people would be reticent to reevaluate the established timeline for Egypt's history. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm saying. Long long version of that. Uh, after allowing some tests, so uh, our buddy Zaya Was, uh, after allowing some tests to look for the chambers, he decided to shut down all research into it, claiming people were not doing science at that point, but looking for, quote, propaganda to support Atlantean theories of prehistory. Again, I don't feel like that is uh, an illegitimate move at that point. I I wouldn't want people to consistently want to keep taking pickaxes and shit to uh, uh, a heritage site because they're just looking for the right healing crystals. And I, you know, yeah, yeah. You know, so, so again, I, I don't, I don't necessarily disagree with that particular, you know, as it's listed, as he explained it in that, in that case. Mm-hmm. Um, having said that, it's also said that he covered up a passage entrance once under one of the boxes beside the Sphinx. Not, which is not the best look for someone who wants you to believe there is nothing going on here. Uh, you know, you know, move along, move along. 
Uh, side note, the theory on those boxes is that, that they were added later as stands or plinths for statues of Osiris when he became popular uh, because statues were found uh, near them as if they had fallen off. And that we, we, we talked about that before, the, the remains of those statues. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a video you can find of him giving an interview to an American reporter where he takes her down into one hole saying it goes nowhere. But some people are convinced that he and the Egyptian government are covering up the truth and that there are chambers and tunnels uh, and such down there. Uh, Hawass is no longer in charge of of anything at all, owing to a number of other things he did wrong. Um, And the unrest. And the unrest. Yeah, it's been a rough part of the world for the last six years. Uh, And so who knows uh, what, if anything else, will happen to prove or disprove those theories. And even then... I also, you know, I, I would, I'm still willing to give the Egyptian government the benefit of the doubt, and I'll tell you why. Look at what happened to Iraq when the, when the government changed, when, when, when everything got destabilized, when it was just anarchy there, which it largely still feels like it is. I don't, I don't really know. Yeah. But, but culturally, strip-mined, museums yeah. looted, uh, everything that was not looted and sold for money was blown up. By the same people who were selling them, they were fund. You know, like ISIS moves in, they are they're funding their organization by selling antiquities. The ones that they can't sell, they blow up so that they yeah. use that for propaganda. So, so that's a huge problem. And even now, you know, right now uh, museums are uh, having to return a lot of these things that were purchased illegally. What there was just uh, like three or four months ago, a huge company, I believe, uh, Hobby Lobby. Huge Ugh. company, very religious in nature. I remember this. Just this is over the summer. They spent millions on over five thousand five hundred illegally smuggled artifacts that came out of Iraq because of their their historic their their historical significance in terms of their their proximity to the Bible. I don't know where that all comes together, but this is a thing that that has been happening. And so for the same reason that the Chinese government has functionally stopped all excavation of the, uh, the ancient imperial city, the tomb, the emperor's tomb, that is, mm-hmm. they, they've largely pretty sure they know where it is uh, because they, you know, the Chinese government doesn't believe we currently have the technology to correctly and carefully excavate the tomb properly to make sure that everything is done right. So they're waiting. That makes perfect sense. Everyone sure. wants to look in there. But I get it. It's the same reason why they're so careful for so many years about drilling into Lake Vostok. They didn't want to do it until mm. they knew they wouldn't contaminate it. Uh, it's the same reason you shouldn't, you know, drink that hot cocoa as soon as it gets poured in the cup. Right. It's, sometimes it's worth waiting for. And now while the Egyptian government, and I understand them wanting to do a few things. One, they need to, they need to protect if there is something down there, and I'm not saying there is, but if there is, or if uh, even if it's still a question, if they don't like, like in, in the case of the, the imperial tombs in China, they don't know exactly what's down there or where. They just kind of know where it is, and they know to not touch it. Mm-hmm. China has a lot more resources as far as safeguarding it, so they can say, "Hey, there's something amazing right here, and uh, we only have twelve thousand people guarding it." You know, they have those kind of resources. Right. Egypt, not so much. And so I can understand how if, if there are known archaeological sites 
that for the time being, they would want to make sure that a, the best way to keep them safe is to make sure no one is aware of them because they can't guard them 24 hours. It's, I mean, they, they don't even, they don't let people up on the, the pyramids, but there's still, you know, a Swedish tourist every other week taking pictures from the top of the damn thing. True. Um, they can't keep people out all the time. And so by saying there's nothing to look for, that cuts down on the number of people who are going to try. I get that. Very good point. You know, so, uh, and, and I hope there is something there. I mean, maybe they're just being honest and they're like, listen, there's nothing there. Quit showing up and taking, you know, and messing this area up. These things are, it's limestone. It's not, you know, it, I know it's survived a very long time, but it's still pussy rock. <laughs> it's not, <laughs> you know, uh, it, it, it's like, it is, it is, it can be threatened by a lot of people messing with it. And Everything we've read so far, everything we've done in research is just story after story of people showing up and f***ing shit up. Limestone. It's still pussy rock. <laughs> T-shirt. Sell it for Christmas. Jeez. You know, and it has lasted forever. It's lasted forever. It's not totally sissy. But anyway, I guess I can see it from both sides is my yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's a great point. Something that uh, I think people often don't think about, you know, instead of like, what, what are you going to do? So they say, yes, there are passageways down here and there's a, a tomb that has not been looted and, uh, riches untold and knowledge that stuff's going to get destroyed immediately. Right. Exactly. It's going to be, it's going to be looted. It's going to be, uh, taken. It's going to become another distraction in the country that does not need distractions right now. Good points. Good points. Man, oh man, still don't trust that guy though. No, no, no. And nor should you. Like the thing <laughs> is, is, uh, you know, there's, there's plenty of allegations. This is one of those, this guy was actually running his own private business yeah. in our, in artifacts. So this guy was part of the problem, not the solution, yeah. which is more terrifying. If a guy who was doing that is the only person that really knows. Right. And that's what a lot of people think. Yeah. So who knows? But, uh, why don't we get into, uh, the age? Dating the Sphinx. Rude. Finding this thing's age has forever and always been protocol number one. The thing to do. Yep. Let's get this answered. Yeah, we have, we, and I'm going to tell you right now, we have the conclusive answer. Stick around. <laughs> Stick around to the end. We'll be telling you on the uh, Jack Slap level uh, live cast. <laughs> uh, so subscribe to patreon.com to find out. Oh, we're God. a bunch of assholes. 2017, suck it. <laughs> what a bunch of shills. <laughs> All you well, need to do is get your new world order barcode, send us a picture of it, and we'll tell you the truth. Well, as, as you know, you, you just can't reliably date stone. Uh, some dating methods can and have been used, and we'll get back to them, but nothing is guaranteed even then. Right. So you're left with trying to put the stone in context. And that means finding mentions of it, uh, stonework comparisons, and what the stone itself can tell you from examination. Now, we already know that mentions of it um, go back to New Kingdom times with the discovery of the Dream Stela of the Fourth. But it had been around for a while, if that Stela is to be believed. Mm -hmm. We also mentioned Dr. Hassan's theory that nearby rock tombs from the Old Kingdom were cut in relation to the Sphinx. Now, this isn't 100% verifiable uh, right now, I don't think, but it's a solid thought. Mm -hmm. 
what else um, could help date it? Well, let's um, let's start with trying to get some context. It's in the shape of a couchant lion with the head of a man. Uh, lions have long been symbols of power, both divine and royal, as have falcons. The head of a pharaoh on a lion would represent that pharaoh's might. But has that face always been there? Oh! It's awfully small in comparison to the rest of the figure. Uh, another thing to keep in mind was the symbolism found in Egyptian writings and art. Lions often came in pairs and were set as guardians to an entrance, for instance, to the next world or the underworld or Dwat. Dwat. Would the Sphinx then have been originally carved as a full lion to stand guard to the entrance of the sunset home of the dead there on the Giza Plateau? As we know, it's a, it's a big necropolis there, right? Yep. So stands to reason it could have possibly existed as a full lion first. That's just uh, that's, that's a thought. Yeah. Sure. That's a specu- that that is we we have done a speculate. I make a guess. You like <laughs> Poopa. You like <laughs> ancient alien theorist Robert Temple has a different take. Sukalo sound. Is such a thing even possible? Yes, it is. He thinks the Sphinx was actually carved as a jackal, saying its body is more canine and that Anubis would be more likely to guard the land of the dead there. Now, there's not much in the way of evidence uh, for that theory, however, especially with the numerous lion effigies that have been uncovered around it. But they all seem to be all lion and not human-faced. Anubis, uh, a, a jackal. And the pictures that, that you'll find of this idea that overlay a jackal head instead of the uh, human head that that's there now, it, the head would be almost as big as the body, if not bigger. Like, it, it would be, it would have to have been a huge head. I'm taking a quick look at some of these pictures, and, and the thing is about it is when you, like, there's so many different versions of how this would go. A lot of artists are, you know, oh, this is what it would be if it had this head. But the, mm-hmm. the, the thing is, is that all of them get to choose. That's true the head that they would put on there. What would make the most sense? Uh, you know, and, and as I'm looking this over, you know, like even just, just Google jackal headed Sphinx done. And there are a lot of really compelling examples of Egyptian art that use the, the jackal that, and I see that with those really super long forearms, the, the mm-hmm. four legs are weirdly long in relation to the rest of it. But, but there's, there's as many examples otherwise Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There, there's as many fours as against in it. So, without more evidence, I you know you could you could argue it for a very long time. Um, right. You know, there's even there's exa- examples of Egyptian carvings of rams. Yep. Yep. That 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 fit a very similar profile. So tough call. Yeah. And to speak on Anubis, I mean, uh, it, it he could he 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 was protector of of the dead in addition to being judge and basically a psychopomp for them. But um, in that context, I guess you'd have to look for other examples uh, of that. And you, I guess you do see some of them, but the lion, especially, uh, like I said, a pair of lions specifically guarding entrances 
um, you know, or locations, apparently is kind of wins out as a, as a stronger case in to, to most people. Mm-hmm. So you might argue then why is there a second Sphinx, you know, and, and right. People have looked, they haven't found anything. Um, but, but they've looked and you know, it's a lot of people think it would be on the other side of the Nile, which I don't necessarily agree with. Right. But who am I? I'm some Stugach and sitting in a Chicago apartment. What do you want? Who is this guy? This guy's city brush shows. What does he know from Niles? Bupkis. He knows Ditka from, from Niles. <laughs> what does this guy know? Ditka. So anyways, the lion aspect, we'll get back to that a little bit later. But uh, for now, let's face it. We don't even know who that face is. Yeah. But it, I mean, it would, you would, it, it, I would say personally, I do not believe that the Sphinx as we see it was as it was originally carved. The head is wrong. And that's a lot of work to put into, like, f***ing up the head at the end. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of inclined to agree. I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't begin to guess what it was originally. Maybe it had a bigger head. It was just the just same Sphinx but bigger. I don't know. I, yeah, the jackal thing doesn't really sing to me either because they're usually depicted with pretty tall ears and a long pointed snout. Yeah. Those things are not easy to carve and and not break. And also, you got to think of uh, the relation uh, of height to the rest of the Giza Plateau. Now, it's not beyond question because that plateau rises a, a good hundred feet or more, depending on where you know where you're standing, and that and it all slopes down kind of to the Sphinx there. So, uh, it's not not beyond the question, but. Um, to me, it, it seems less likely to have been even bigger and taller, especially with two pointy ears, two narrow yeah. pointy ears. But uh, again, Stugach here. Uh, why, don't you, uh, why don't you tell us about the explanations that we have of the face? I'll tell you why I won't. Okay. Oh. The conventional explanation is that it's the face of Khafre, who's the builder of the second pyramid. Uh, this is due to the dream stealer's apparent mention of him and and uh, to the narrowed down creation time frame of the fourth dynasty, which is not only from the rock cut tombs and mortuary complex nearby, but Khafre's causeway to the pyramid is built seemingly to avoid the Sphinx. Interesting. So yeah, so they're taking these things into account. Uh, again, it's going to avoid it if it was already there. If it doesn't, you know. Anyway. Uh, However, author and researcher John Anthony West disputes this claim and even got a forensic police sketch artist to compare the Sphinx face with that, with that of a diorite Khafre statue, determining that it was not Khafre. What? Like, what What precinct? Hey, is, uh, is Danny working today? No, nobody's missing. He's pretty bored. All right. I got a case for him. <laughs> yeah, like, to me, that's, it's kind of like taking a painting of Kenny Loggins and comparing it to that fresco of Jesus that the Spanish <laughs> woman messed up. Yeah. And, then, and then saying, no, you know what? That person would never have sung Danger Zone. So, <laughs> right? I don't know. Yeah. And, and I think this diorite statue is supposed to be like eight centimeters tall. Jesus, H. <laughs> if, it's, if it's the one that I, I'm thinking of, the one, the one I've been reading about. That's the same one. Yeah. Didn't, don't have many examples of Khafre. Yeah. That, that, anyway. You know what that is? Is taking a picture of Jesus and taking a nativity scene and going, hmm, we did a facial comparison. And no, they are not the same person. 
<laughs> uh, really, it's it's nigh impossible to figure out who's supposed to who it's supposed to represent. Uh, again, without something explicitly stating it, and even then, because of the the habit of repurposing existing structures, could still be a lie. We talked about this that a lot of this could be propaganda. Yeah. Um, yeah. That 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 the the boxes on the sides. Oh well, guess who's you know who's fucking popular now? Osiris. So we yeah. put some on there. You know, like people do this. We do it all the time. Yeah. Uh, we're we're no. We've changed not one whit from this time. So, so it's really hard to say. Even if you found something and explicitly stated who it was supposed to be, you really gotta you, you gotta prove it. You gotta prove that that's a legitimate thing. Uh, some Egyptologists say that it was uh, Jedifrey, which is Caffrey's brother, trying to win favor from Khufu. Did not work. Uh, not only did it most likely have a team of sculptors, but the pharaoh would not have stood there for them to reference. Its left eye is higher than its right eye. Its mouth is a little off center. It's just not a good, it's not good work. It's not good work. But on the other hand, it's gigantic. It's not like they get to practice it six times and then go do it. Right. <laughs> I mean, but on the third hand, these guys are pretty, this, this big works of stone was kind of their jam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then we got, and now John Anthony West wondered about the owner of the face in connection to the true age of the Sphinx. Uh, according to his fascination with the work of the French Egyptologist and occultist R.A. Schwaller de Lubis. Schwaller had some of the uh, fairly out there theories about Egyptian mysticism and astrology, but it was his brief remarks about possible water erosion around the Sphinx that intrigued West the most. Uh, now, seeking a professional's opinion on the matter, uh, West enlisted the help of Dr. Robert M. Schock, uh, associate Professor of Science and Mathematics at the College of General Studies in Boston University in 1989. Now, uh, Schock's findings from the visit in 90 and 91 were detailed in his 99 book. Flora, can I get a really great reading of the title? Voices of the Rocks! Oh, take a shit on the floor. <laughs> oh, Yeah. <laughs> Show me rock you got. Yeah. Uh, from that no, would be hilarious if future civilizations carved like the devil's tower into that giant head. <laughs> from his reasoning, he concluded the Sphinx was much older than the fourth dynasty due to the observation of weathering that he said could only have occurred in an area of substantial heavy rainfall. The banded weathering of the body and the coved uh, appearance of the walls of the Sphinx enclosure. Looks like a bunch of butts. <laughs> looks like butts <laughs> we gotta leave it in because you're in charge of editing <laughs> bunch of butts bunch of butts uh, it proved to him that the rain was the culprit not flooding as West had speculated but wait on account of this being a desert oh. there's a reason it's a desert and that's a pretty good one what is it well like like the rest of Toto they miss the rains down in Africa <laughs> Miss him by a few thousand years. <laughs> Woo. Uh, the last time the area saw significant rainfall for extended periods of time was at least 7,000 years ago, uh, between 7,000 and 5,000 uh, BCE. It's not 10,500, but it's significantly older than the 2,500 BCE that is the conventional date. Uh, and now he cited a lot of examples to support his theory. First being the limestone blocks from the Sphinx temple and the Khafre Valley temple are cut from this, from the Sphinx enclosure and show the same signs of weathering with granite casing stones cut to fit them. The tomb of Debehan 
uh, supposedly a contemporary to the Sphinx, shows no signs of erosion. Uh, similarly, the rocks, uh, the rock-cut tombs nearby show no sign of erosion. Uh, at Saqqara, the f- uh, fragile mud-brick tombs dated to the 1st and 2nd dynasties don't show any rain erosion like the Sphinx does. Now, again, a lot of this stuff is, is based on the assumption that it's rain erosion. Yeah, it, well, and I also should point out, when we say show no signs of erosion, uh, what we should have said was it shows doesn't show similar signs of erosion. Right. Yeah, because yeah, there's erosion. <laughs> there, um, yeah. Apparently, there's also a difference between weathering and erosion. Right. So, so we're, we're probably getting all these wrong, but you know what, what we mean. Yeah, good enough. Uh, now, uneven weathering, uh, for example, uh, the north, south, and east floors of the trench surrounding the east-facing sphinx are weathered to a depth of six or eight feet below the level of the enclosure's currently exposed, exposed surface, meaning it goes down further. On the monument's western end, which is the rump uh, of the Sphinx, uh, the weathering extends to only four feet. Dr. Schock gives an example of known masonry at Jericho dating to about 8,000 BCE uh, for old civilization. Uh, Several geologists and Egyptologists rebutted his theory and examples and thus began a decades-long and ongoing debate about the, quote, old Sphinx versus the fourth dynasty Sphinx. And again, with some recarving, stop, you're both right. You know, if it was recut in the fourth dynasty and they just called it new, you know, it's like Homer's chili spoon. <laughs> I heard he carved it from an even bigger spoon. <laughs> what a great episode. <laughs> it really was. That was a solid one. Uh, now, the core blocks of temples weren't generally finished smooth as they were never seen. Why do it? Also, it's easier to shape limestone than granite because limestone is a pussy rock. It's also Stop saying pussy rock. <laughs> it was gross the first time. It's gross now. <laughs> it's, uh, it's such a weird phrase. It's such a dumb thing to be like, oh, yeah, limestone. Uh, nice integrity, you candy ass. Look, <laughs> sedimentary bullshit. <laughs> uh, so it's unlikely granite was finished to fit the limestone. Uh, because it's easier to adjust the limestone than the granite. Yeah. Also, the granite was refitted in later restorations. The Sphinx is made from limestone bedrock containing three strata identified as members one, two, and three. Uh, one is very hard and is the lower portion of the Sphinx. Three is similarly hard and makes up the head and also the pyramid core blocks. Two is the soft, poor quality limestone and makes oh, yeah. up the middle. What? Yeah, we know what you're thinking. Hey, I, I was just going to, you know, I'm respecting your wishes. <laughs> it's a soft, poor quality limestone uh, and makes up the this pussy rock. Uh, it makes up the middle horizontal portion of the body. Uh, the tomb of Debehen shows different weathering because it's around 100 feet higher on the plateau and carved of member three limestone, a fact that is very often overlooked when presenting this example. And you see the banding. So uh-huh. you you do you you have to take that into account. Those bands are there because it's it's different stone. Yeah, the softer stone will be cut out more. It'll yeah. it'll it'll have more. It there'll there will be less of it. Right. And then you know the harder stone, it's almost like an ice cream sandwich. Yeah, 
That's a very good way to put it. And these, and we're we're giving the rebuttals right now. If that wasn't clear, sorry. <laughs> Someone's been licking around the edges of it. Just oh yeah. Have them. you ever had the Whole Foods has this pumpkin pie ice cream sandwich? No, no. Oh my god. I I don't dismiss it because of pumpkin. Okay, because that's what I did. And yeah. if that's a mistake, I will dinna, revisit that. Dinner do it, laddie. Dinner do it. Dinner do it. Dinna, dinna, Brian, dinner do it, laddie. <laughs> Yeah, try them. Yeah, I'm just, yeah, I'm afraid of everything that says pumpkin now, except for you pumpkin You should pie. be. Uh, this I tried is the exception, huh? On a, yeah, on, on a lark, and now I'm addicted. Anyway. Love it. Okay. Let's see here. Now, with the rock-cut tombs, uh, though they are similar in elevation, they are cut out of a different layer of limestone, and so it's not apples to apples. It's not good to compare the two. Yeah. Uh, most of the mud brick tombs at Saqqara have eroded because of the elements, and only those that were buried were preserved. Yeah, so you're saying only the ones that weren't exposed to the elements aren't showing signs of erosion from the elements. Well-played science. <laughs> uh, plus, the, these tombs are also uh, much higher, again, on the plateau, which changes what they're made of. Uh, the difference in weathering in the enclosure is due to the dip in the, of, of the limestone strata from west to east. Again, it doesn't. It's not perfectly flat. Like the right. those those layers move at an angle as well. As for Jericho, some pottery has been found at a settlement at Mott uh, that dates to pre uh, pre dynastic times. But why would a small army of masons from Jericho make the dangerous trip down to Giza and Mott to carve a line in a rock? Wouldn't the pottery be more likely from trade? Uh, because as we so often say, dun, 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 correlation does not equal causation. <laughs> uh, reader makes a case for at least a f- pre-Fourth Dynasty settlements at Giza. Um, yeah, there's, there's apparently been a lot of old um, artifacts dating from well before... Um, the dynasties were around there clearing out land, putting, putting <laughs> kings in, in tombs. Uh, I mean, it, it makes sense. Yeah. So there's, there's walls, there's very, um, well crafted, uh, walls at Jericho, which is up, uh, up North, up by the Dead Sea. It's, it, it's hard to square that thought for me that, um, oh, this town up here, hundreds of miles away, uh, built this thing. Therefore, this huge monument that's st- stood the test of time that's built down here was probably built by the same people. Right. Like, like, and, and here's the thing. There's, there's a weird, and, and again, this is not a direct comparison, so I could be way off base, but I feel like there's a, uh, an, an uneven standard here because when you look at, say, North American archaeology, if, if I find uh, a chert arrowhead, Mm-hmm. You know, if I find something in one place, everyone says, oh, well, there was a lot of trade. Things were moving around. Materials were moving around. People were moving around. They, they're not saying, oh, well, yeah, this is uh, they, they must have all moved to that area for a while. Whereas here you're saying, well, I found some pottery fragments. They're like, well, they must have been here. Like, yeah, they don't have to be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, if not the people from Jericho building it themselves then I guess the idea or the capability yeah. to to do this, it just doesn't fit in with the mainstream uh, timeline. Right. Or, which isn't or, a bad thing, but... 
Or after Jericho fell down due to trumpet activity, they had to skedaddle out of town. They're just shitty contractors. They just go to a town, <laughs> charge people yeah. for walls till they fall down, and then move on. <laughs> They're scammers yeah. is what they are. Yeah. So the Sphinx is at a drainage point of most of the Giza necropolis. Um, it's more prone to run off from rain and not as quick to dry as the higher elevations. Dr. Shock may not be correct in his assessment, but he may not be entirely wrong either. A wetter climate is now thought to have existed up into the 5th dynasty, and the slope of the plateau could encourage runoff to spill over the western enclosure wall, which is the wall that has seen the most Mm -hmm. uh, erosion. With the building of the pyramids, a lot of water could be channeled down to head straight for that sphinx butt. Mm. When you think about it, the the surface area that is uh, uh, greatly expanded from a huge sloped wall of smooth stone, right? So tell me, tell me more pyramid, about that sphinx butt. We'll get to some sphinx butt. Okay. Uh, <laughs> the pyramid, instead of just having rain fall on one flat surface and run naturally, now you've got four surfaces rising up that equal a much bigger area than just that base that you would have if nothing was there. And that's going to catch more water. The smoothness, it's all going to channel it down anyway. And and there is evidence of a drainage ditch which runs which runs from Khafre's pyramid along his causeway and empties into the Sphinx enclosure at the southwest corner. And that that has been blocked up by granite blocks at some point. Not sure when. But it sure looks like some kind of gutter. Geologist Colin Reeder isn't convinced this had much to do with it, however, as he points out the quarries of Khufu, the first pyramid builder. Located pretty due west of the Sphinx, the quarries were a vast field where blocks were cut and worked from the plateau. And this, to him, most likely disturbed the surface hydrology of the plateau and how much spill came down to the Sphinx enclosure. Now, that leads Reader to believe the Sphinx was begun before Khufu's quarrying began. Oh. Interesting, huh? So, I, I mean, it's it's a good point. If you're working in a fl- flattened area, if you, you know, for one thing, you would think that the water would catch there and be more prone to spillage and, and running down towards that Sphinx butt. But if you've got a lot of people working there, if you've got huge blocks that you are working on, chiseling out there that's a lot of things a lot of obstacles that are in the way of water that's trying to to get past you you know and so maybe maybe there were more than one ditch that was that was dug as drainage who knows but the point is at the time there was probably a good amount of rainfall still happening in the area you've got water coming down towards there so at that point you've got a lot of that erosion happening uh, or, according to Reader, the Sphinx had been there for a while, and before these quarrying fields had even been used for the first pyramid. And so you've got that erosion from before. It's 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 a solid argument. I it, it's hard to say. There, we're we're going to come back to some of these points in a bit, but this is uh this is the fun kind of debate that you get into with this stuff, right? right that's the whole reason we're doing it. So f yeah. Geologist August Matheson has a different view than Reader and Shock. 
claiming Schock didn't bother to test his ideas about the morphology of the limestone via precipitation and wind, respectively. And Matheson asks, If the precipitation-induced weathering occurred 7,000 years ago and the wind-induced weathering occurred on structures uh, 4,500 years old, why didn't the wind-induced weathering obliterate the older precipitation-induced weathering? (laughs) Shots fired. Shots fired. And then he brings out the big guns with a case for haloclasty. What? Uh, this This is a special kind of weathering that happens when water gets on stone, whether by rain or flood or even dew. Or... Or aliens. Or aliens. Uh, it absorbs salt from the sands and the surfaces, and it seeps down by capillary action into the cracks and crooks and pores of the rocks. And in the ever-abundant heat of the desert day, that water will evaporate and evaporate quickly and leave that salt behind to form tiny crystals, which then expand, putting pressure on the stone around it and eventually caused the stone to flake and fall off. This has absolutely been observed, and according to Matheson, can produce the rounded profile similar to the Sphinx enclosure walls and the body itself. Geologist Dr. James Harrell of the University of Toledo, Ohio, reiterated this claim, even suggesting that this action can happen in rock buried in wet sand. Um, which can be caused by rain or flood water, condensation, whatever. Or, or, the sand or, will be wet, or, not too much down. Or aliens. Thank you. In Paul Jordan's book, Riddles of the Sphinx, a, Lame name. a supporting example was given by a colleague of Harold's, uh, a G.B. Johnson, who, quote, supplied a photograph of two pottery dishes from Abu Rawash, one of which was found inverted on the sand, the other upturned and filled with sand, and the latter was heavily corroded, whereas the former was pristine. Well, if Good Body Johnson says it, I'm t- I'm inclined to believe it. <laughs> That's right, Slim Good Body. Um, so the debate continues. I'll link in the show notes to the resources if you'd like to read more about it. And believe me, there is plenty to read. There was right. this whole like little feud in uh, um. An archaeological magazine, I think it was called KMT, uh, between Shock and and uh, Harrell, and um, it went back and forth for a number of years in the nineties. It's 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 hot geologist v geologist action. <laughs> uh, geologist on geologist, <laughs> in a winner take all battle for control of the academic octagon. Right, perhaps the wildest theory for dating the Sphinx has not to do with what's on the ground, but what's in the sky? Look to the stars. Oh, Jack Horkheimer, (laughs) the star hustler. R.I.P., my friend. I love that guy. No one was as as excited about Uranus (laughs) than him. (laughs) I beg to differ, sir. I love Jack Horkheimer. Um, we know how precisely oriented the pyramids are with the cardinal directions, and we know how much everyone wants everything to be cardinally oriented to something. Yeah. Uh, the inner shafts are aligned to certain stars, and the sphinx faces due east. Well, this is all too blatantly a clue when and possibly who aliened them pyramids. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I say pyramids? I meant aliens. <laughs> Just kidding. 
There's plenty of Zachariah Sitchins. I, I mean, folks who think the Giza Plateau was a spaceport, but we're going to get a little more grounded than you think and talk about the stars and the Egyptians observing them from the ground. Uh, you've probably heard how the pyramids line up exactly with the stars in the constellation Orion's belt. And this has been championed by Graham Hancock, Robert Baval, uh, John Anthony West. Without even looking, I'm positive, uh, George Sukalos. <laughs> and among many others to fit the Egyptology. Now, Orion is changed to Osiris, and the Nile is the Milky Way. Overlies show this precise alignment with old pyramids at Abu Rawash and Dasher, corresponding with other stars in Orion slash Osiris. But we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> this, this, now that, this now whole, that we've talked about it. Yeah, this whole area is uh, what we're talking about, but we're not talking about it. So, the, so if a cop asks you, you got you, you, we didn't talk about it. We're not going to talk about that and how it was fudged to fit the placement and how the other pyramids are nowhere near alignment with the constellation. What? Yeah. Yeah. We're just going to leave that part out. Uh, we're here for the Sphinx motherfuckers. Oh. Pyramids, we wait your turn. Uh, built to keep an ever watchful eye on the horizon as the equinox sun rises each day you may recall the, pr the procession of the equinoxes from our astrology episode in which the equinoxes slowly move west relative to the fixed stars due to the tilt and rotation of the earth it's a cycle of about 26,000 years to complete a circle of the poles uh, fun fact in less than 13,000 years the northern hemisphere will have its longest days in December and shortest in June hmm Crazy. Uh, the seasons will be the same, however, as the tilt of the Earth is fixed to the elliptical plane. Another fun fact, the North Star at the time of the pyramid building was Thuban in Alpha Draconis. Reptilians confirmed! Uh, astrological ages are divided into periods of about 2,160 years each. Uh, we're in or starting... The age of Aquarius. Uh, now, we are starting in the age of Aquarius, meaning the sun is rising in front of the constellation of Aquarius. Now, 12,500 years ago, the sun was rising in the vernal equinox in guess what sign? La, 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 Leo. That was the sound of your mind. <laughs> His name was Leo, and he's dancing on the sand. He was. Now, the Sphinx was built to guard Dwat the underworld and watch Osiris crossing the winding waterway into the next world. So you can see kind of how Blavatsky may have arrived at that 78,000 mark. Um, when, when you're getting all these thousands of years for these uh, constellations to, to go by and cycles and sidereal. Yeah. And which, you know, it's that's, I think that's the, the double edged sword of using uh, astronomy as a tool for archaeology, it can be extraordinarily helpful if you know what they were trying to achieve. Uh, it's, a, it's a great tool for uh, determining when something was built. If you know for a fact that a particular culture was obsessed with a particular um, astro, uh, astronomical uh, uh, object, and you're, oh, well, they were trying to build this, and then you can say, well, at, in this age, this would have exactly lined up with that. Oh, that makes perfect sense. Great. The hard thing is, is especially for Egyptology, both ends are a moving target, especially if you muddy the waters by wanting everything to match something mm. and, and just cherry-picking your facts until you get there. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's a, that's a huge problem, and it does make for more issues. So 
you know, yeah. and it's 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 tough. It, it it can help and hurt because if if you're doing it carefully, it can be a powerful tool for confirmation, for help narrowing things down. But if you if you go from confirmation to confirmation bias, <laughs> if you go you know from 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 searching for for accurate answers to writing your own narrative, you you, you do way more damage. You just muddy the waters and you create a lot of of uh, of bad information out there. In every aspect of of Fortean research, yep. we have seen that um, a priori ideas are a bad. Thing. It's right. it's terrible to to go looking for an answer that you yeah, want. Exactly, you, you're not doing science at that point. Nope. Um, but you probably are doing a show in the History Channel. Um, <laughs> but you're probably getting paid. <laughs> yeah, you're probably making money. <laughs> um, so let's see, where do we leave off here? Now, that long ago, if we're going, you know, twelve thousand five hundred years ago, well, there's only one game in town, Flora. High lie. Atlantis. Oh. The Atlanteans f***ing with the system. So did they build it? Proponents of that theory like to cite an unknown super civilization that flourished at the end of the last ice age, well before our current historical record. Because, you know, super civilizations leave no mark. They speculate that an ancient advanced civilization existed uh, in 10,500 BCE, which built the pyramids and the Sphinx. Um... But just those things. Everything else was made out of jello. Uh, by the time the old kingdom rolls around, all are in disrepair and a repurpose to fit the pharaohs of the times. Which, again, ah, f- you know, you, you take that little grain of possibility, the repurposing, which absolutely could have happened, but that's just delicious frosting on a f-ing spider egg cake. <laughs> Uh, there's also the theory that knowledge of this super civilization or even alien intervention caused an explosion in learning and tech that allowed old kingdom Egyptians to build such elaborate and sophisticated structures. This I fucking hate the most. Once again, robbing uh, ancient cultures of their own accomplishments just because you don't know how they did it. Nobody could have done it. I don't. I don't know how to make marzipan. So aliens. <laughs> that math sounds really hard. Palladians. You had to combine flour and water to get bread. Atlantis. Yeah. Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you. If you're that narrow-minded. God damn it. Well, I think it's a. I think it's a good point to get into some more angry um, rationalization. Good, good, because uh, let's let's do this, Flora. Let's do this. Let's start with the uh, Hall of Records. Okay. Meanwhile, at the Hall of Records, <laughs> Casey's prophecies, which included the Hall being found in 1998, coinciding with the apocalypse and the second coming of Jesus the Christ, obviously <laughs> never came to pass. Are you talking about the apocalypse or Jesus? Yes. <laughs> Might have been 20 years. Uh, too early on it. Yeah. His and Lewis's claims were oddly parallel to medieval Arabic legends of the Giza Plateau, in which they believed in underground chambers beneath the necropolis filled with knowledge, tech, and temples, and uh, Cokes and uh, KFC. Egg, egg creams, Shanana CDs, <laughs> jukeboxes, water slides. Oh, man, it's just great. A, a, a note-shaped bed. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, in fact, the idea goes even further back to stories of hermetic philosophers of the first Egyptian temples, related by Ammianus Marcellinus in his Roman history, and later Arab texts of Tabakat al-Atiba and Akbar al-Zaman. Uh, the point is, stories and myths were taken by later writers as true, and they evolved throughout time from Marcellinus to Blavatsky to Casey to Baval and so on. Uh, the article by Hamilton Wright that is claimed as evidence by H.S. Lewis, the Rosicrucian, uh, seems to have never existed. In fact, if you have a copy laying around, please send it to me. <laughs> I and a lot of people would like to see that. Um, this is an example of morphing folklore, a term I just made up. Sweet. That has evolved from early stories and continues to be a way to sell books and get clicks. As we stated with Hawass gone, you know, we might have more work done at the Sphinx to look for chambers. Yeah. We might not. Who knows? But um, we don't know who built this thing, and that's okay. It was not Atlanteans, because Atlantis has yet to be proven to have existed, you son of a bitch. Yeah. Spoilers for our two-part Atlantis episode. (laughs) If it was built 12,000 years ago, why in the world are there absolutely no traces of the civilization that existed? It's like saying a muddy skunk ape made my pancakes this morning. There's no muddy prints. There's no lingering smell. There's no shedded hair. The dishes haven't been used. I don't even have pancake mix. Now I'm flustered and I need a cigarette. And I don't even smoke. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 such a, a weird claim. And then and 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 by the same weird claim, they say, well, they were very advanced. You know, they they lived simply that others might simply live. They, they all, everything was biodegradable. You know, they're, they're, they had skyscrapers made out of honey and reeds and when, and they were like doozers. And when, when it was time to tear it down, you just ate the building and it was fucking amazing. Oh, did I mention that everyone was super smoking hot? Oh, it was so great. So great. <laughs> Dudes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they, they, they this gigantic, <laughs> gigantic hyper advanced civilization. We're just gonna build a big dogman, call it quits, <laughs> and then just fade, just like Homer Simpson, fade into the bushes. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well, um, one point to consider with the water erosion theory and the dating of the Sphinx to before Khufu. The southern enclosure wall of the Sphinx is built at an angle that runs along Khafre's causeway. So instead of being a uh, a nice equal rectangle that it's that the Sphinx is sitting in, that south wall is jutting at a at a diagonal. Mm-hmm. If the Sphinx had been built before Khufu for any length of time, why was that wall at an angle? That ancient water erosion on that wall would have been hard-pressed to catch up to the west and north wall erosion levels if that wall had been messed with in the building of the causeway. Right. It makes sense? Yeah, they would. Yep, yeah, because they're, it would not been able, yeah, you wouldn't have the, the uniform uh, erosion. erosion pattern. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That may be another point for Team Coffre. So Colin Reeder thinks that it might predate Khufu as well. But why? But why? Why, Dave? But... Way, way though. Way, though. Way, way though. Why get an angular wall 
you're not future planning. Now you had you had a reaction to the thought of the causeway being built to avoid the Sphinx, right? What was your thought on that? That if if the causeway is avoiding the Sphinx, it implies the existence of the Sphinx prior to the causeway. Mm-hmm. Usually, the causeways. I mean, I say usually, but you, you get a a temple at the base of the the pyramid, then you get this long path or, or hall that was used to carry the sarcophagus. There's a very um, formal right. procession. And you, you carry that from the Valley Temple, the, the place where, you know, the people can come and mourn and yeah. all that stuff. To the, from the people of the Valley Temple to the people of the Mountain Temple, and then peace on right. earth is all it said. Exactly. And so usually it's just a straight shot, several hundred meters to another temple. This one starts at the, the base of the, the Middle Pyramid and goes at a real sharp angle. Well, I, it's not that sharp, but it's, it's an super sharp. It's like it's like a BMX ramp. If it went straight, it would have. I think it it goes over the Sphinx's left shoulder, or like it it runs uh-huh. into the Sphinx yeah. there. And so instead, it's it's kind of uh, situated at an angle to go past the Sphinx, and so that's why you get this south wall of the Sphinx opened up at an angle as the causeway goes and then the the temple the valley temple is right there it's it's a weird thing to think about now to me that means that the sphinx predated at least coffrey's yeah uh, temple i think reader colin reader also points out some inconsistencies with the thought of the quarries for khufu something about the causeway not taking the quarries into account when it was built so therefore the causeway was was prior to the to the quarries there's there's something there's something to that I'm trying to remember, but um, it keeps kind of adding layers to the razor for Occam, and we all know how that usually turns out. A- again, a good debate, right? Not often talked about with the whole uh, thing, but should be taken in context too. So I hate to tell you this, <sighs> it's okay, hit me. But straight up, the Sphinx Leo constellation combination. Across yeah, the which is important, which is, like I said, it's the cotter pin of all of this. It's what holds everything together and my belief system. It is total bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Shvashin, Paskapui, Puru, Mierda, Kakatarv. Let's think about this for a second. It's uh, also shit. <laughs> for, that's, for that's all it takes. Egyptians didn't have our current Zodiac back then. Yeah, simple as that, motherfuckers. Just didn't have it. So there's no Leo. There is zero evidence for them ever recognizing our Leo as anything but a patch of sky until at least Babylonian influence. We're talking 4th century BCE at the earliest. The earliest Egyptian star charts found come from coffins of the 10th dynasty with 36 star configurations completely different from the Babylonian and subsequently ours. There is a lion, but it's not calchant, and there are also all kinds of animals in theirs. The first example of our zodiac in Egyptian uh, culture comes from the ceiling of a chapel to Hathor in Dendera, which is dated to around 50 BCE, uh, uh, the product of Greek teaching derived from Babylonian origins. You know, you know. Um, also, the whole Osiris crossing the winding waterway and the lion guarding Dwat 
is completely effed up. First of all, it's out of order on the ground, and the Sphinx isn't even facing Osiris like he is in the sky, or the pyramids that are his belt, or whatever. So fuck your star mappery. F*** it. It doesn't work. It's stupid. We'll wait. We'll wait. Are you done? <laughs> we'll continue. Now, pyramid knowledge out of nowhere. Wrong. Like I said, look at history before believing any of this horse Yeah. There was a steady, clear progression of pyramid building, including successes and failures. Uh, Imhotep builds uh, Djoser's Step Pyramid at Saqqara in 20, uh, 2670 BCE. The Buried Pyramid of Sekhmet is built around 2650. Layer Pyramid by Kaaba at 2640. Uh, Snefru, which is Khufu's father, builds the first true pyramid at Maidam. And, uh, and that's all before Khufu's Great Pyramid. So do not tell me people aren't capable of cool shit. Do not f***ing say it's got to be aliens or reptilians or tractor beams or an away team that got lost. Like, it's all... Just shut up. Stop. That's, it's, it's bad science fiction. It's not even close to history. It has no factual basis whatsoever. And again, it's culturally robbing. You're stealing amazing accomplishments from people. When you say, well, I don't, I don't get it, so it can't be. That's where you get dipshit flat earthers. I don't yep. get it so, it, so it can't be. Well, guess what? The world does not require your understanding to exist. <laughs> the Egyptians did not sit around going, well, God, I hope somebody 6,000 years from now understands how we did this. Otherwise, it's all for nothing and we should just go home. <laughs> the world does not require you to understand it. That's what makes it fun. You got to go out and try to find it out. And you can be wrong sometimes, but this isn't wrong. This is just, well, it'd be cool if there was a spaceship. Gotta go. If, if you are an archaeologist who thinks that there was just pyramids out of nowhere with the, the Giza plateau, or at least that's what you're selling to people in books and TV shows, at best... You're ignorant of the history, and you should feel shame. <laughs> you're not an archaeologist. At worst, you're deliberately deceiving people, and and <laughs> you should feel shame. Right. Yeah. There's no getting out of the shame hole on this one. Yeah, you're in the shame hole. Which, by the way, would make for a really great sketch, is like TV archaeologists, you know, getting ready for a dig. This is how, in, in, in every dumbass movie, the, the team of archaeologists is about eight to ten soldiers, one commanding officer, a shit ton of automatic weapons, a hot chicken to tank top, and one hapless fucking nerd who can actually use a laptop. That's it, like that's how you put together an archaeological expedition. It's one guy who didn't bring a shovel <laughs> and a whole bunch of weapons. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's my yeah. That was my favorite part of uh, Alien versus Predator when they're we're gonna explore this t this ancient temple. Here's your heckler and cock MP5. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, think about it though. Same thing for Stargate, right? That's uh, I mean, Stargate. They they had built. They they'd realized that they had a portal to another dimension. That I get, but you'll notice even in Stargate, at least they got this right. When they found the Stargate, like the flashback scene, the little girl, uh -huh. it was just guys digging with shovels. Yeah, that's true. There was nobody had a musket. 
So yeah, it's it's just it's it's just it's lazy and it's stupid. You yeah. may tell yourself that what you're doing is engaging in some sort, you know, like, oh no, I'm not gonna believe the the mainstream beliefs on this. I'm looking for the truth. No, you're not. You're looking for a fun science fiction story. Yeah. Yeah. And you're stupid. Comma, <laughs> you are stupid. You need to read more books. You need to fix that because you're ignorant. And Correct. Build, build your own spaceship and get out there and, and explore. That's can, make your own can, science fiction. Can, can we can we make a play photo shirt that says "You're ignorant, comma correct it"? <laughs> <laughs> but then it's just a picture of you and I because because you know. obviously, right, right. Okay, let's keep let's we gotta we gotta boat this marlin at some point. Yeah, yeah. I'm hungry, so we gotta. <laughs> I'm hungry. This shit's over. <laughs> gotta fry this marlin up too. Um, yeah. Evidence of settlements in agriculture go back to 3,500 BCE, but not before. A 10,500-year BCE super civilization, again, where? Super how? If, 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 if there was a, 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 you know, a half a million people running around in that part of the world, they probably truly sucked because they couldn't even leave their bones behind. <laughs> they were the worst. So, no. They weren't civilized. They sure as shit weren't super because they couldn't even die in a predictable manner. <laughs> they kept f***ing it up centuries after they were dead, millennia. They still couldn't get it right. So, no, they were neither super nor civilized. And I, unless they were, again, made out of sentient blocks of gelatin, <laughs> I, don't have, I don't know what's going on there. Now, uh, sphinxes became common in culture and decor. They even switched up heads, rams, lions, you know, blah, blah, blah. Some more liony with human faces, humans' hands, not paws, blah, blah, whatever you like. The wings after Greek influence. Even a crocodile sphinx was uh, found in a swamp in Thebes. Which is pretty badass. Yeah, I'd like to see more croco sphinxes. <laughs> now, it, it is a fascinating subject. It is a true historical mystery. And there is there are explanations. I think that as we get... A better with our scientific ability to scan things to look we're going to learn more about it sure uh i mean i could i could be talked into believing a pre-khufu date i i mean like like i said there's a lot still out there we don't know for sure when i said we knew for sure i was lying to you it's too late now you've already listened <laughs> i win but you know not a lot before not a millennia before not not several not, 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 not yet i'm sorry not 10 millennia before yeah. <laughs> um you know, I could also believe it was originally a different head. Sure. Lion, you know, maybe, uh, oh, God. Now I can't get Croco Sphinx out of my oh, head. Yeah. I, uh, f- that would be awesome. <laughs> maybe an old kingdom pharaoh, chop the head clean off, put a whole new one on. Who's to say? People do shit. That's what history is. It's just people doing shit. And most of the time, they do it to the history that was already there. Yeah. See, see also the European conquest of the new world. I, I wonder... It would not take a lot to convince me that um, the head that's on there now was shaped somewhere else and and brought in. Yeah, it just it doesn't seem to fit. I would I would it wouldn't I would I would like to think that it was something else. I wish there was a way to know what that was. So in the absence of anything else, Croco Sphinx. <laughs> People, I mean, they the geologists have said that they think that the head was of that member one strata. So. 
you know, maybe it is all still one one solid piece of, of limestone there, but yeah, it's something something had to have been there before. A crocosphinx. A crocodile. It's a crocosphinx. I'm I'm never coming off that again until until archaeologists can prove otherwise. <laughs> crocosphinx from this point forward. Yeah, I, and like you said, man, ancients weren't animals. They nope. they knew how to do stuff. They paved the way for F's sake. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, you're a moron if you think yeah. that aliens do this stuff. You're a fucking moron. Here's the thing. You're probably less capable of surviving than they were right now. Oh, I guarantee it. I wouldn't. A sweet piece of meat like me wouldn't last 15 minutes out on the mean streets of Cairo or anywhere in the ancient world. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, what, what, what do you mean? You got to make your own food? Like, well, can we just like go buy it? Well, what do you mean? There's, you, don't get, you don't have any money? Why? Oh, you're all property. Shit. This just keeps getting worse. <laughs> what do you mean I got to sleep in the desert? There's jackals. Right. I don't know how to make a fire. Oh, I wanted to, I wanted to go see the Sphinx. Bad news. I died on the way. <laughs> it was just a mile out. Right, yeah, I'm not capable of surviving at any other time except for us, except for maybe the seventies. <laughs> I don't know. I've been watching right. I've been watching the, the, the oh. deuce on HBO. Aside from the constant smoking, it seems great. Well, I can't recommend Paul Jordan's book Riddles of the Sphinx enough. It's so good and so beautiful. It helped out a lot in this uh research. It's uh if you can get your hands on a copy. It's well worth it. It's just full of pictures. I don't know if you can see this. I'm showing yeah. Um, it's gorgeous looking. I, I like that your your recommendation is for Paul Jordan's book, Riddles of the Sphinx, and my recommendation is The Deuce. It's a the, show it's, about it's about hookers and pimps and drinking liquor. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's no more perfect. I shifted gears on you pretty fast. Uh, no, there's no more perfect like uh, encapsulation of this podcast than that. <laughs> That's perfect. There's nothing inaccurate about that. And, uh, of course, I'll, I'll link to a bunch of uh, stuff in the show notes if you're interested in finding out more. Again, with a, with a three-hour podcast or however much yeah. this is going to render to. It's not short. We, uh, we still, there's so much that we could still talk about and, and so many things that we could focus on to talk more about. But uh, I hope you got a, uh, a good and fun overview and and know a little bit more about the the sphinx and uh what all goes into <laughs> what people say and think about it um, right so that is uh that's going to do it for part two of the sphinx in a Ba-boom. very refurbished refitted not constellationally aligned nutshell <laughs> now um now there is an ancient uh prophecy that one day when everything aligns, the head of the Sphinx will open up and out of its mouth will pour 10,000 devouring puns to cleanse the scourge of mankind from the earth. <laughs> I really enjoyed that one. I hope you're picturing that uh, the scenes from The Mummy. That's exactly it. Yes. <laughs> yes, I was. You go first this time. Okay. Now... Historically, there are some accounts of, of some archaeologists uh, or, or, or learned men, as they were known at the time, Romans, also doing research or trying to excavate, trying to learn more of it. Um, and the way that they passed their information down was through story and song. 
Um, and so, for example, uh, uh, Marcellinus, uh, was, his work was only known because of the uh, classic Roman anthem, bump, bump, ooh, rock me, Amaneus. That's two references in one episode to that song. Oh, you can get away with it, though, because... Yeah, it, that's why. It's, it's as yeah. yet unburned. Ooh. Wink. Wink. We got um, uh, well, some scientists have observed how worn down and weathered certain parents get, especially when they have a teenage girl in the house and she gets mad when you put her in an enclosure. Mm-hmm. Well, no, but nobody does that. Nobody no. does that. They, they think parents get this look from dealing with the runoff emotion of angry young women. It's the daughter explosion theory, not the water erosion. Oh, no, I got it. I got oh. it. Also, like the uh, nobody puts baby in the corner. I also like what I said. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that's what you were referencing. We put her in a closure. I thought it was. I thought you were sort of. I, yeah, I thought you were making a dirty dancing joke. I guess you weren't. F- off. <laughs> oh. Whoa, whoa, hey, hey, easy, Dave, oh. easy. Uh-huh. Now there was a, another theory about what what the head used to be on the Sphinx, um, and in essence, they thought that it had been carved. Uh, one particular scientist, this would be uh, Dr. Robert Schock, had postulated um, that the, the original head of the Sphinx, again, was uh, part of the, the uh, Egyptian death ritual and was actually uh, carved in the visage of Osiris um, and that it was the head was facing the necropolis, oh. which was um, not only structurally difficult to do, but... Um, uh, but quite an achievement, but also kind of gave a reason for the Sphinx. Now, the theory has fallen into, uh, you know, disbelief. People don't really buy it. But there are still some uh, some people who adhere to the Doc Shock Necroptotop. <laughs> Doc Shock, Spider-Man! <laughs> you know, we, we unfortunately don't have any surviving records of Egyptian pop culture. But the oral tradition is strong, and from the scuttlebutt of it, I would have loved to have seen a concert by the ancient boy band in Sphinx. Oh, nice! <laughs> That's awesome. That is a really good pun. I really like. And them's puns. And them's puns. Now let's. Uh, you know the 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 only other thing less explicable than the mystery of the Sphinx is the mystery of Lithuania. Kicking it off, we got one from Charles. Charles writes, hey there, gents. Hello. Hey. You recently said working on an oil rig was a pretty cool, badass job, and that's exactly what I used to do. F- yeah, Charles. Now I'm just an oil well pumper in West Texas. It's not as badass, but it's considerably safer, and I'm good with it. I feel like that is also, that's a good, that's a good yeah. trade. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you asked for workplace superstition, so here's you go. It's bad luck to clean your hard hat on the job in the oil field. I've never had anyone able to explain really why, but my guess is if the well knows you're clean, she'll want to get you dirty. Jeff would love to get a well pump, and if you know what I mean. Too right. Too right, mate. Uh, cherry pies are also bad luck. <laughs> I've heard all pies, but specifically cherry comes up the most. What? Now, these aren't homemade cool-on-the-sill hobo, hobo. pies. Yeah. These are prepackaged microwavable pies, a la Little Debbie. What? I've never heard of microwave. Like, just like a... 
a hostess fruit pie kind of thing? Okay. Mm-hmm. I've heard stories about a workover rig. Uh, they repair the wells, blowing over, or a tank battery catching fire, or simply a car accident, all because of these little Debbie pies were on the site. Ah! Dib- that's- Dibble Debbie. Dibble Debbie. <laughs> You're right. Uh, you, yeah, his little Dibble Debbie. Hey, I missed it. Now for a pun, as though that wasn't. Uh, Rene Descartes might have found the uh, may have found the dancing fever too. History has long misremembered his famous saying, "I think, therefore I am." What he really said was uh, "cognito ergotism," or "I think I ate some poison bread." <laughs> ah! I like that. Edward uh, Leedskillen was also a famous rodeo clown. In an early section of his limestone home was known as the Corral Castle. instead of wearing olive drab and deep underground military bases get over on get on over to dulce and dulce and gabbana base for all your extraterrestrial (laughs) that's a solid one too nice also charles sent us on an awesome story that we're actually gonna set aside for our story jams which i know we keep threatening to but someday it'll happen shut up uh but thank you so much for the story thank you charles thanks charles next up we got one from often gwen Mm. Most of the time, 70% Gwen, 70% Gwen, quite. Quite. I know you guys are getting in avalanches of listener mail. Uh, I am admittedly a few episodes behind, but I just listened to your first episode on mind control the other day. And one of you mentioned that a small town put in blue lights and found that crime rates dropped. I heard a while back that crime rates are lower in the winter than in summer and was pondering if this had any correlation to temperature. Blue lights giving off a colder light than, say, the warm halogen orange. Well, that seemed way more groundbreaking in my head than it does in writing, but maybe you'll find this comparison interesting as well. Just can't help but wonder, is there something about being warm that puts some of us into a murderous, thieving rampage? There might be, because, well, well, you get more crime and stuff during the summer, but then again, people are out about more. Yeah, I mean... I don't know. It's not very warm in the far north, and the Scandinavians were pretty into rampaging for a long time. I yeah, I think I think you're right, Flora. I think it's you're out and about more. I think when it's cold, you stay home for the most part, but when it's warm, you go out. There's more people interacting, more chances for for things to kick off. The lighting thing, I don't know. You know, they talk about like the blue light from phones messing with your head and things like that. I don't, I don't know much about it, but yeah, yeah, you know. And there's always been like those things that I, th- I think, I think, I don't know for sure. I think most of them have been disproven about calming tones and waiting rooms and colors and things like that affecting that, which is why they had like a lot of like yellows and greens a long time ago were thought to be calming, but I don't know if that was the case or not. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think I think that warm weather just brings more proximity. Is my is my, my first guess. I mean, you just ask uh, Chicago. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, I'd have to do a little bit more research on uh, colorology and how that affects people. But yeah. um, interesting thing to ponder. Thank you, often Gwen. Yeah, thanks, often Gwen. We thank you all the time. We got an email here from Reagan. Well. Reagan writes, hey dudes, I'm sort of a newish listener. My boyfriend introduced me to y'all and I cannot get enough of your puns. That's awesome. I just finished week one of the 2017 miscrypted contest and I'm so excited to finally tark pate. I'm so excited to finally take part in this. I must agree with Stecco. A giant elephant head on a snake's body sounds way more entertaining than an elephant with a snake tail. (laughs) (laughs) 
Anyway, did you hear? There's this new movie that came out featuring a band of misfits who try to save the world. One of them is a living tree that will slither around much like a snake. His catchphrase is, I am Groot Slang. Nice. Hope you like the pun, Reagan, not the president. (laughs) Thanks, Reagan. Thank you, Reagan. And thank all of you for writing in. You guys are glorious. Uh, And don't forget all, I mean, man, here we go. Part two of the second. Hildo. We didn't even mention it at the front. We were so like dialed into Sphinx Town. Absolutely phenomenal. So thank you guys so much for listening. We certainly appreciate it. Uh, Absolutely. Don't forget um, to, uh, if you like our podcast, check out some of our other friends at the Chicago Podcast Cooperative, also the Dark Myths Collective. Uh, we've got a lot of great friends there who are putting a ton of work into a really great podcast. Uh, in some cases, more work than we put into ours. In some cases, less. And you know what? You'll always tell. You can always tell. <laughs> uh, uh, also, don't forget to uh, like us on Facebook. Give us a five-star review on iTunes. Don't forget the number is five stars. That's correct. Any, anything less than that, keep it to yourself, you filthy animal. You can also uh, uh, follow us on Twitter. Uh, you can also uh, visit us at patreon.com slash blurry photos if you want to support the podcast. We make sure to make it worth your while with some jams. We've got all kinds of different levels with different fun rewards. We also, every month, we do a live show uh, with all of our Jack Slap level listeners. Plus an extra sode. Plus an extra sode. We do a lot of weird stuff. I mean, we literally pull out all the stops for the live shows. We've what Some of the things we've done in the last few months, we uh, showed the never-before-aired, quote-unquote, TV pilot. <laughs> Flora and I tried to submit for a TV show on the History Channel. Like our yeah, it was first, like an audition. Yeah, like they had a, a History Channel had an open call for TV shows like the first year we were doing the podcast. So we, yeah. we, we, had, we showed that. Uh, just fun, weird, embarrassing things. We played um, all of our never aired accepted because like whenever. So we've gotten, we get you know nominated for the Parsec Awards uh, for like, we got nominated like four years in a row or something. We never won. But one of the things is you have yeah, to. They've stopped including us on the <laughs> finalists. Yeah, yeah, they got they got us out. They got rid of us finally. But so you have to also pre-record an acceptance speech and and send it to them because we weren't going to ever be there. And so one one episode we just played all of our acceptance speeches that no one ever got to hear. Um, so yeah, we just we just do fun stuff. We just get trashed and talk about whatever you guys want to talk about. It's yeah. a ton of fun. Um, and we also, uh, we also have the, the store at Threadless. Uh, holidays are coming up. The, the, sure. the store is phenomenal. We have everything on there. Uh, it's, it's absolutely worth one thing is a word of warning. I mean, I buy stuff from there myself. Uh, it sometimes takes like a week or so. It's not like Amazon. It's a little bit slower because they make everything to order. So give yourself some time this Christmas season. Think about it in advance. Uh, we've got, and not to mention, we got, Krampus knocked right around the corner. Y'alls, Krampus. Don't forget. <laughs> Birch Branch. Uh, get yourself a holiday. It's, it's, it's almost Thanksgiving week. It is Thanksgiving week. There's nothing almost about it. Uh, if you got to spend a lot of time around family you don't like, I don't have that problem. I love my family, and it's fun to talk to them. But I know that not everybody lives in the wonderland that I do. Uh, get yourself a free audiobook, audibletrial.com slash blurryphotos. Be like, hey, I'm so sorry. I've got to be acoustically literate right now. And I went straight for it. I went right for War and Peace because that's how little I want to engage in conversation with my racist uncle. Uh, you know, 
protect yourself. See if they got Riddles of the Sphinx by uh, Paul Jordan on there. Absolutely. Uh, so yeah, fun, but. get yourself a free audiobook. You you can cancel anytime. You don't have to. You can just get the free book and run. Yeah. That's up to you. I'm not the police of you. And nor are they. No. Did you know that 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 Audible try, that Audible is not a police organization? They have no jurisdiction. They might have badges. I don't know, but yeah. they're just decorative at this time. Yeah, in uh, <laughs> that's right. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it uh, for this episode of Blurry Photos. Yeah, I have been the weathered and buried David Necropflores, <laughs> and I have been Dave. I regret some of the things that I said regarding sedimentary rock in this episode. I did not mean to impugn its integrity or its strength for a sedimentary stone that has been used throughout millennia by artisans and craftsmen the world around. I apologize for anything I may have said or done to bring down the esteem of limestone. And once again, I am very sorry for the actions that I took rashly. Stecco. His name is Leo and his sphinx is on the sand. Just like that causeway cuts across the dusty pie. What happens when you're dying? Where's the souls going? Is there another realm beyond this one? Is deine heaven? Is deine hell? Come with us as we answer this question, here or nine. Join us as we freak out while searching for the truth, which will take us to the creepiest places of scaring you've ever seen in all of Germany. Because now is the time for... Geistjäger! Guten Tag und welcome to Geistjäger. I'm 50% of your hosts, Helmut Gerhardt. With me, as always, is Panzer Schnitzel. Panzer, wie geht's? Sehr gut, Helmut. Guten Abend. Guten Abend to you all. Ja, okay, then. Well, super. This week on Geistjäger, we are making an investigation of the most hallowed halls of ancient understanding. A place where the past can, in fact, come alive. We must kill it again. Yeah, quite right, Herr Schnitzel. We will be traveling to the Stuttgart Museum of Natural History, where we are told there are a number of haunted artifacts and the living spirits of the ancient damned wandering the hallways. We have heard numerous reports of paranormal activity in the ancient Egypt section. And we will go and investigate. Tonight. Yeah, we will go, but we will not be alone, Panzer. This week we will be taking a Mikkelsen Overschurzen multiphasic EM meter and 3D imager, as well as a magnetic tape audio recording unit that I think, yeah, it's a Panasonic. And Panzer, that's the third piece of it. Ein Flammenwerfer! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we we got the flamin' waffle that just swapped meat like eight months ago, and Panzer keeps saying, Oh, Helmet, can we bring it this week? I say nine. Helmet, can we bring it this week? I say nine. This week, 
I say, yeah, yeah. You bring the Flammenwaffel. Der Flammenwerfer ist nigh. Ja, ist nigh. So join us now as we begin our investigation of this most haunted house of ancient evil. I, I mean history. Time has not been kind to the entrances of these forgotten halls, and we were forced to break the seals which contain the evil inside. Yeah, I'm, 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 we just pretty much just Jimmy did this a screwdriver. Seal broken. Panzer, seal or nine seal? Helmut, I'm not making up a soundbite for that. Fine. Let the man bring the flam and marvel. He thinks he's in charge of everything. What? Nothing. We will make our way down this dusty corner. Shush, 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 Panzer. Huh? Look over there. Using the multiphasic inferometer, I see the spectral light of a disincarnated spirit making its way. Also, I can hear its footsteps. Quick, hide behind this effigy of the ancient massive lizard god, Trex. What is this? Do you hear that spectral cries as it tries to make sense of its surroundings? How long has this spirit been lost in the ethereal plane, damned to wander these darkened halls? Flammenwerfer? Nein, not yet, my friend. The door? Is Jimmy? Someone has broken into the museum? This is serious. I had better go and telephone the police and... Oh, lunchtime. Oh, Kinder Egg, there are commissars in town. Uh oh. Uh oh. That was a close one. Yeah, yeah, it was Panzer. But still, I must ask Geist or Nine Geist? Geist. Geist. Before it comes back, let us make our way deeper into the bowels of this ancient temple. Mein Gott, Helmut, look around. The ancient relics of this lost civilization. The canopic jars, the sarcophagus, oh, there's a many... What is that? What unholy creature would make such a disgusting, eldritch sound? It sounds like a ball of tentacles made love with the bucket of spaghetti. Look, Helmet, that foul creature that is emerging from between the sarcophagi. Yeah, it's the eternal flesh slave of its ancient masters bound to this physical realm. They called them the mummy. And even it is this day, his job is to clean the floors mostly, it looks I like. I think that's a staff of power. Oh. And he is drawing power from the power of this room. Of power. Yeah, listen to his ancient incantations as he performs the rites for what must be the ten billionth time. Mop the dais, mop the dais. Up the dais, get a clean water pail. Get. <sighs> well, better go get another can of hair clean. Helmut, 
That was a terrifying monster. I didn't even get a chance to use my Flammenwerfer. Patience, my sweet, sweet panzer. We may yet need the Flammenwerfer. I, however, was able to use the magnetic audio recording device to capture its plaintive wails and the unknown language of its ancient rituals. But still, I must ask, Geist? What nine Geist? Well, technically, he is reanimated corpse, uh, not disincarnate. Uh, I'm going to have to go with nine guy. Quickly, Panther, we must explore further through that archway marked Interactive Ostelung für Kinder. Ugh, Kinder are the creepiest. Yeah. What will we find in this sordid chamber? There's an awful lot of computer touchscreens in here, and I I think that's a stuffed sphinx. Ghoulish human effigies. Yeah. Wait, over there. Hmm? Next to that propped up ancient corpse, there is an ancient gem of power in that console. Do you see it not glowing hypnotically as though beckoning us forward? Helmut. Take the gym. It is obviously a reward for our bravery. Yeah, many have died attempting to get this far into the temple. What is this ancient inscription above the glowing red gem? Rücken um the Activarian. Never mind that, Panzer. <coughs> Hello and welcome in Alton Egyptian. Panzer, another ancient mouldering corpse brought back to life by this sickly power. He does not seem inclined to move much. Quickly, Panzer, we must take scientific measurements of everything that we are seeing right now. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay, Flammenwerfer, yeah, yeah, that's working. <laughs> Hello und welcome. Hello und welcome. Hello und welcome. Sirens. Kesa as Panzer. Yeah, yeah. But wait, Panzer. Geist, but nine Geist. Oh, well, I guess in this situation, I would have to go from it. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty intense. We saw some pretty serious scheiße. Did you get the jewel? Nine, nine, it was attached. Uh, Join us next week. When we will be ringing... Chainsaws to a seance in Dusseldorf. Yeah! Dusseldorf. Auf Wiedersehen, Helmut. Auf Wiedersehen, Panzer. <laughs>